How many of you having a good summer? So far? Yeah? Yeah. You don't need to lie in church. You know you're off schedule. You're staying up later than you're supposed to be. You're dragging getting to work and you can't wait for school to start already because you done had enough of your kids. Ah, yeah. Struck a nerve right there. Come on. Yeah, y'all all waiting for summer till two weeks in and y'all like, yeah, when school start? When I, was, when I was a young teenager, I would spend my summers in Orangefield, Texas. It's just across the, the Texas line. And, and I would, my mom would send me there in the summer times to spend the whole summer with my aunt and uncle. And, and, and the family, my aunt and uncle and their kids just loved me. I mean, they just loved me. They took good care of me. But I would spend the entire summer there. And so I was like, I was like a circus come to town for them. Like they, they would fight with each other all, all year long, but then to come summertime, I was the new guinea pig, right? They loved me, me and the, they had four kids. The youngest one and I were the same age. And, and like I said, they loved me, but they were a little bit gangster. They had, they had some tricks up their sleeves and I'll never forget one of the first summers I went there. Uh, they lived out in the country, out on four acres of land and in a, an old ranch style house and it was they were great people and um, they, they had a little roach problem anybody don't raise your hands but anybody have a little roach problem every now and then I'm not talking about them little bitty tiny roaches I'm talking about them big old thug looking roaches them tree roaches them ones that'll shake a tree tree shakers come on the big old ro- they had them big old country roaches in their house and and I didn't know that you know I mean where I come from we had them little small roaches and, and anyway so, so one night we, we'd all gone to bed and, and my cousins and I were in the room just chit-chatting and cutting up a little bit, trying not to wake up my aunt and uncle. And they said, hey, you want a snack? And come on, somebody, you can look at me until I like snacks. I was like, yeah, let's go get a snack. And they said, okay, let's go. Come on, go to the kitchen. And they let me go first. And so I'm walking and all the lights are off and I walk out into the kitchen and I'm trying to find the snacks. And all of a sudden they kick the light on. And there's roaches everywhere. I freaked out. The roaches freaked out. Everybody took off running. Aunt and uncle woke up. We got fussed at and had to go to bed with no snacks. The title of my message today is Keep the Light On. Keep the Light On, somebody. I want to tell my uncle, please just leave a light on. I had nightmares about roaches. Today, (laughs) you're laughing now. Today, (laughs) I want to talk to you about sin. (laughs) Arch! (laughs) Like we was having a good time, Pastor Jamie. Like it was going good. And and some of you just went, ah, should have skipped church today. God, I knew I should have skipped church today. Should have watched that other church. They ain't talking about sin. Ah, and then some of you were like, ooh, sin. Ah, I might need to deal with some of that. I'll tell you, if your first reaction was, I should have skipped church today, I'm really concerned for you because evidently you've learned to live with your sin and you're afraid to deal with it. Ooh. And, and if you responded like, well, Yes, I'm here for a reason. It's about time to deal with this. I am highly encouraged by you today because evidently you're tired of living, tired of hiding, tired of, of being powerless when it comes to 
sin. I'm going to spend our time in 1 John today. Don't worry, I'm not going to beat you up. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. 1 John chapter 1, I'll spend most of my time in 1 John. And then at the end of the message, I'll give you three practical things to do to overcome sin. And then, and then we'll, we'll, I'm going to pray a specific prayer over you and then we'll dismiss today. First John chapter one, I want to establish something first. John is an apostle. He's one of the, one of the original disciples. He's saying this, but he's saying chapter one in the first book of first John, he's saying that he's saying it from the perspective of me and the other, other guys, me and the other disciples. So listen to what he says. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what ourselves what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. So you're hearing from one of the apostles and what he's telling you is this, is that I'm getting ready to tell you everything that I heard with my own ears and I saw with my own eyes and I touched with my own hands. Yeah. Not, not, not from somebody else. This is something I experienced myself. I'm, it, and I want you to understand this. This is coming directly from somebody who was with Jesus. So if you can wrap your head around this, the message he's getting ready to preach to us is going directly from Jesus to John to you. He's telling us what they saw and what they heard. So important. We should be people who tell others what we see and what we hear. Not what the pastor said, but what we saw and what we heard. Come on, somebody. It's more powerful when you saw it and when you heard it than when the pastor said it. Am I in the right church? So the purpose, the purpose for him saying all of that he's getting ready to say is so that we can have fellowship with them, with the apostles who are having fellowship with God the Father and Jesus the Son. So it's like there's this big party. The apostles are there, God's there, Jesus is there. We get to be there. We get to have fellowship with everybody. Come on, this is good stuff. Amen? And as a result of that fellowship, we get to share in real joy. So what is John telling us today? John is telling us to get into relationship with Jesus, watch this, and stay there. Oh, come on, some of you. Some of you, your your greatest struggle is staying there. How many of you, come on, be real honest this morning. How many of you be honest? Sometimes I have a hard time staying there, Pastor. Like, 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 like Sundays are easy. I can stay there on Sunday, but Mondays always come, and, and I don't know how to stay there. John's saying, I want you to be in relationship with Jesus, and I want you to learn how to stay there. Mm-hmm. So let me clear that up. Your, your salvation experience was just the beginning of the relationship. It was never intended to stay at salvation. I, I'm going to tell this side. I'm preaching. 
Your salvation experience was only the beginning. You were never intended to stay there. Okay. You were never intended to stay there. Jesus is more than salvation only. He is life. He is life. My wife is with me today. My best friend in the whole world is with me today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm riding high today. I'm going to act right, too. I know. I know. We've been together for 28 years. I know. Mm-hmm. We've been together for 28 years. When we first met, it was because of attraction. Believe it or not, 28 years ago, this brother was fine. Hey, come on. He said, I'm still fine. She said that too. Y'all better watch it. I'm about to wrap. Okay, let's pray. We're about to get up out of here. 28 years ago, it started with attraction, but 28 years later, it's gone beyond attraction because how many of you know, attraction won't keep you there. It might've got you there, but it won't keep you there. Now she's my best friend. This is the beautiful thing about my marriage. She knows all my junk in the trunk and she still loves me. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? She knows my smells. She knows when I'm having a bad hair day. Every day. Your relationship was never meant to stay at the cross because Jesus didn't stay at the cross. What did Jesus go? He went from the cross to the grave, ascended into heaven. And where is he at right now? He's sitting right next to the Father. Some of you are saved, and we rejoice in it. In fact, all of heaven rejoiced. But you were never intended to stay at salvation. The relationship is always intended to grow, and it will grow until either Jesus comes home or you go to sleep. So how you do life with Jesus determines how your life goes. Did you hear that? How you do life with Jesus determines how your life goes. Hmm. John Piper said this. He said, sin is what you do when you're not satisfied in God. Sin is what you do when you're not getting satisfaction in God. Sin is what you do when you allow there to be space and distance in the relationship. Come on, somebody. We're trying to stay there, right? We're trying to just stay there. It's what you do when you're not satisfied with God. So what did the disciples hear? Let me throw this down, and then I'm going to get into some things. What did they hear? Verse 5 says this. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. That may sound very simple, but it's really complex. It's complex for us. This is why. Because what John is telling us is that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him at all. Can you wrap your mind around that? It's difficult. Why? Because every single person you've ever met in your life has a a certain degree of darkness in them. You have never met a perfect person in your life. The day you met Jesus was the day you met the first perfect person ever. No darkness. You know, we struggle 
to understand how much God loves us. You ever wonder why? You ever wonder why it's so hard to understand how much God loves me? It's because we've never known a love like that before. You're, you could have been raised in the best home possible and you had a great advantage compared to the rest of us. But still, you came up short because you could not understand how deep and how wide and how high God's love is for you. But the more you realize that and the more you understand that, whew, the better things get. Let me give you seven ifs. I-F apostrophe S. Let me give you seven ifs from 1 John. You ready? Okay, if I ask a question, I expect a response. Okay. Right. Like we were doing good, and all of a sudden, y'all just pumped the brakes on me. So, so if number one, if we have fellowship with God, but don't live like it, it says something about us. 1 John 1 verse 6 says this. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Whew. John comes out the gate like you lying. Don't you love it when somebody starts a conversation? You lying. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Because here's the truth. When you have real relationship with God, you, must, you start to take on his character and his nature. You see it? You, when, when you're in fellowship with God, you take on his character and his nature. In other words, you start to become more like God. It, it's it's kind of like this. You ever seen you let your kids go play at a friend's house and there's a bunch of kids there and then when they come back, they act different than when they left, right? And you can always, you can say, you've been hanging out with Josiah Bell. I could tell you've been hanging out with Josiah. You laughing like Josiah. Why? Because he got around Josiah and he took on his character and his nature. So we as believers, when we are in fellowship with God, we should be taking on his character and his nature. Does it make sense? And it's something we should be growing in and it should be seen in our daily life watch this jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have a church life only he died so that you could have whole life that he would be reflected in every area of your life watch this the good the bad and the ugly your family and your friends that don't know Jesus, they don't need you to have a church life. They need to see whole life. They need to see Jesus reflected in every area of your life. In fact, I'll push it a little bit further and I'll tell you this, if your friends and family are, are not at least a little bit discomforted by your relationship with Jesus, then you might ought to check yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about speaking crazy Christianese and, and running everybody off. I'm talking about just being real. Like, I love Jesus. I'm jacked up, but I love Jesus. And I ain't gossiping no more. I ain't hanging. I ain't doing this no more. I'm not doing that. You should make them uncomfortable just with your lifestyle. So light represents something. It's, it's to reflect God's character in every area of your life. We consistently grow in his character. It, it looks like transformation. Your life should always be transforming. If you're sitting still, you need to ask the question, why? If you're not seeing newness in your life, you need to ask the question, why? If there's nothing fresh about you and your relationship with Jesus, you need to start asking the question, why? 
If there's not a greater measure of humility in your life, you need to be asking the question, why? Darkness looks like this. It's to live a sin-filled life. There's no growth. There's no godly character. There's no change. You're prideful. You're stuck in sameness. Then you get into tameness, and then you eventually become lame. That's what it's like to live in darkness. Is this making sense? Watch this. Sin can be present in light and in darkness. What's the difference? In the light, it's being dealt with. In the darkness, it's being hidden and excused and adjusted to. You see it? So that's if number one. Not too bad, right? Nobody died. If number two, if we are living in the light. So John tells us what it looks like if we are living in the light. Verse seven says this. says, but if we are living in the light, he describes how, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Well, this is good stuff. He's saying, if you are living in the light, as God is in the light, then you just qualified yourself for two gifts. You get to hang out with other believers who are in the light, how many of you know that's, a, that's important, right? And then Jesus washes away all your sin. Come on. Two gifts that come from if number two. If number three, if you claim you have no sin. Ruh-roh. If you say, I, have, I don't know why I came to church today. I ain't got no sin. I'm good. Okay, let's see what John has to say about that. Remember, he was with Jesus. You wasn't. Verse eight. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. It's foolish to live in denial. It's foolish to live in denial of your sin. It's actually living a lie. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees had over 600 and something laws that they had to follow. There was the Ten Commandments also. Right? Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, he says, I'm going to sum this up and I'm going to make this real easy for you. Now, I was getting ready to, to print out an exhaustive list of sin. I, I typed it in. I Googled it. I said, exhaustive list of sin. By the time I got halfway through it, I was exhausted. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I was exhausted. I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm not, I'm not giving that to you. I'm not going to list off every sin. I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to make it real simple. Watch this. He summed up the Ten Commandments in two. Love the Lord your God with all, say all, all. your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Then the second one he said is this, to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. So he's very clear. Love God with all. Love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Watch this. Anything less than that? is sin. Hmm. It's interesting. Here's the truth. We all have sin in our lives that need to be dealt with. I didn't come today to make you feel guilty. I didn't come today to condemn you. I came today to give you a way out. I came today to call you out of darkness. I came today to release the chains of the enemy that are bound on you that you might live in freedom. If number four, watch this one, this is powerful. If we confess our sins, what happens if we confess our sins? This is super conditional. Watch this, verse nine. By the way, you should all know this verse. 
This is a freebie. Like, I'm trying to help. Like, you should know verse 9. Like, write that down. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Boy, I love this verse. You know why? Because I use it all the time. I'm real familiar with this verse. In fact, I'm still getting better at the confessing part. Why? Because I like to live clean. <laughs> I'm tired of living dirty. Come on, somebody. We in South Louisiana, I take two baths. This is two bath summer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Highly conditional. Jesus is saying this to us today. If, if, if you confess your sins, he will forgive them and then he'll cleanse you of all wickedness. But the opposite is true. If you hold your sin, he's not going to forgive you and he's not going to cleanse you. You're holding yourself bound. So I came today to tell you, get good at confessing. Get good at confession. Why? Because you sin all the time. <laughs> to confess my sin is to position myself to receive forgiveness and cleansing. To hold my sin is to position myself to stay guilty and stained. How many of you want to live free and clear? Come on, somebody. Okay, about 40% of y'all. I got a little work left to do. This should be a very familiar place for all of us. How many, of you, how many of you do a little bit of, uh, of frying some eggs and bacon and chicken sometimes in your house? How many of you do that? Come on, in the house, right? And it's, it's all tastes good, it's all good, but somebody got to clean the kitchen, right? And if nobody cleans the kitchen, right, then we start to get some buildup. Then your house gets greasy. You don't believe me? Look underneath your hood vent, it's greasy. It needs some chemicals, right? Okay, do y'all clean your house? <laughs> I see, I seen them, I seen them. I'm telling you right now, I seen them dripping off the hood vent, looking all, anyway. Todd, Todd Stalker said this, he said, sin builds up like grease on your hood vent. Sin just continues to build up, but what does forgiveness do? Forgiveness cleans up. Wow. Forgiveness cleans up. Number five, if number five, if we claim we have not sinned, he's coming at this again. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Uh-oh, you was a liar, now you're calling God a liar. Watch out. Question, if we've not sinned, why did Jesus need to die? There was no reason for him to die. Why did, why did Paul lie? If we have no sin, why did Paul lie in Romans 3.23 when he said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Here's the reality you got to come to. All of us fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. The difference is, is when you got saved, now you can deal with it. Because Jesus dealt with it. Come on, somebody. Number six, six if, if we do sin. So what happens? You get saved give your life to Jesus, you go to OSC, like you're getting plugged in, you're in a life group, baby, you made it to the dream team, come on somebody, you're parking cars for Jesus, you're living your best life, things are going great, what happens when you sin? What do we do? What do we do now that we've sinned? 
John said this, he said, if we do sin, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. Watch this, sin is never acceptable. We don't ever accept the fact that we sin. We, it's not acceptable, it's not, a, it's not an environment that we create. If there's sin in my house, it got to go, right? I'm writing this to you so you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Watch this, you got saved, your name got written in the book, your sins got dealt with, you now have permission to deal with your sins going forward, but watch this, maybe somebody didn't tell you, you got an advocate too. And some of you are going, man, Pastor, what's an advocate? Like, what's that? Is that the newspaper? Is that, is that like the daily advocate? Like, what is that, Pastor? Can you explain a little bit? So an advocate is a person, watch this, an advocate is a person who comes to your aid and pleads your case before a judge. Whew. Now, how many of you at some point in your life felt really alone and isolated? Nobody came to your defense. Nobody stood up for you. An injustice happened to you. And nobody else was there to defend you. How many of you have ever experienced that isolation before? All over the room. When you gave your life to Jesus, you got an advocate. You'll never be alone again. He's pleading your case. He's on the scene. Come on, somebody. He's on, on top of everything. So watch this, unconfessed sin leads us away from God. Confessed sin keeps us in his presence. You see, the enemy's been trying to convince you that if you, if you confess your sin, God's gonna get mad and judge you. And he's gonna push you away like when you messed up with your parents and you got punished. He's gonna give you the silent treatment. He's gonna be stubborn. My grandma used to give me the silent treatment for two weeks. She was good at it. She slammed the cabinets. Mama, you okay? <laughs> I grew up and I, and I saw God that way. So when I would mess up, I'd be like, well, I got two weeks before me and God get right again. <laughs> you see it? Confess sin keeps us in his presence. Anytime you're tempted to be ice or to feel isolated or tempted to run and hide, I want you to do one thing. I want you to stop and identify. What's causing you to feel that way? Amen? If number seven, what happens if we obey his commands? Oh, this is so good. First John 2, 3. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Wow. You know, to obey God's commandments is a blessing for us. It's not a curse. The only reason it feels bad is because your flesh has to die for you to obey his commands. You see that? But let me break this down for just a second. And we can be sure that we know him. You see that word know right there? That's not just know about God. Even the junior demons know about God. That word know means to have intimate experiential knowledge with God. This is different than anything you might have heard. It's to have in, intimate experiential knowledge with God. This is, this is for each individual. 
It's great to come to church and experience the presence of God collectively. That's great. I love it. But even that's not enough. We should be pressing in to have intimate experiential knowledge with God. When I was getting to know Pastor Bubba back 20 years ago, he and I were riding around Jennings in a Nissan Sentra, a little white one. I look like a circus bear. It's raining, we're by the funeral home, we're at a red light, somebody's in front of us, PB thought they went, he's talking, you know PB. He was talking and, and he went and he hit the back of them and ended up in a big old argument. So long story short, we pull over at the funeral home. I just met Pastor Bubba not long. We pull over at the funeral home and I'm going, oh my God, I'm about to know this dude now. And I thought, I mean, I'm like, I'm going into bouncer mode, ready to, you know, take this dude out because he's cussing and hollering at, my, at Pastor Bubba. And, and, and so we, get, we pull up under the canopy of the funeral home. It's funny. And within five minutes, Pastor Bubba's in the other car, laying his hands on the guy, praying over him. The guy's crying his eyes out. He comes to Jesus. He'd been addicted to drugs his whole life. I went, oh my God, what am I getting into? This dude is nuts. I had an intimate experience with Pastor Bubba and our relationship grew. We should be longing for, praying for, looking for intimate experiences with God where you know him by yourself, not through the pastor. I'm spitting all over the way. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, that's why. So actions, not words, define the relationship. In fact, I'll tell you today that obedience is your proof of the relationship. Because if you claim to know him but refuse to do what he says, you're simply lying. You good so far? All right, let me give you three ways to overcome sin and we're going to wrap this up. Three ways to overcome sin. How many of you, no, no raising of the hands, how many of you got some nagging sin? Some sin, you've been trying to shuck this sin. You've been trying to shake it off. You got friends praying for you. You got people crying out to God for you and this sin just won't leave you alone. It's a nagging sin. What do you do about that? Well, number one, you don't quit. You don't quit, you don't give in, you don't give up. You just keep fighting the good fight, amen? So three ways to overcome sin. Number one, you need to name it. Say that with me, say name it. Name. You need to name that sin. I heard some of the old timers coming up with, with, when I was coming up with Pastor Bubba, they would say, you need to embarrass the sin in your life. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what? Embarrass the sin? How, like, how do you embarrass the sin in your life? By telling somebody you got sin. Oh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> Psalms 32.5, watch this. Finally as if he's been on a three-day journey in the desert and he finally found some water, like, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and you stopped trying to hide my guilt, and I stopped, and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, self, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me, all my guilt is gone. Whoa. Like you didn't nearly say amen like that verse deserved. Finally, I confessed my sin and when I let it out, when I named it, when I brought it to Jesus, he dealt with it in a moment, which means this, I don't have to learn to live with it. 
I want to get good with living without it. The, the other day, this week, I, I, I've, one of the new things the Lord's had me doing is I've been spending some time with some young boys, just counseling and, and helping some young boys out. And I had this young boy that was in my office and I was talking to him and he and I have a very similar story. His mama abandoned him. My daddy abandoned me. It's now been restored, but, and I'm talking to him and I get to the root of the issue that he's struggling with and it's causing him to act all these different ways because he's hurt by his mama abandoning him. And when I said his mama, he just broke and he cried. And previous to meeting with him, I, I'd been struggling with something and I was like, ah, man, I'm just I'm tired of being this way. Like, ah, and I knew I needed to confess and, and, and receive forgiveness and cleansing, but I was reluctant. Anybody ever get reluctant? I was reluctant. Like, I, and I was walking around with this heaviness and I'm sitting with this boy and, and God uses me to touch a root in his life. And, and like, he breaks and he cries and, and we have a moment and then, and then he gets up. I pray for him. I encourage him. He gets up to walk out and my wife's coming to walk into the office and said, oh no, I gotta go see Jesus. <laughs> and I walked and I went and got in my closet and I went and got in my closet and I got on my knees and I said, Jesus, I don't know why in the world you just used me. I don't feel like I deserve that. But God, leave me alone. I, I just confessed this to you. And when I told him what it was, whew, it all lifted. It lifted. I'm serious, like, like that, it lifted. And it was gone. This verse came alive to me. You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. What's he waiting on? For you to confess it. Name it. Number one, you got to name it. So honesty and confession always lead to victory. Amen? Amen. Number two, you need to resist it. Ephesians 4, to 24. He says this, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Three things he tells us to do in these verses. The first one is, is to throw off your old sinful nature. Don't play with it. Don't tat-tat. Throw it off. Like, like you got some ants in your pants. Throw them off. Right? Throw it off. Then he says this. The next thing he tells us to do is to let the spirit. Hi, my name is Jamie. I've got a letting problem. I don't like to let the Holy Spirit do anything in my life because I'm a control freak. But he says to let the Holy Spirit. Allow him. Give him permission. Give him room to deal with your thoughts and your attitudes. Then he says to put on your new nature. What is he telling us to do? You ready? He's telling us to repent. What is repentance? Repentance is I'm living in sin. I'm living in sin. I let the Holy Spirit challenge my thoughts and my attitudes. I'm in sin, I throw that off, I turn from my sin, and I'm putting on the new nature. I can't put on the new nature in the old environment. I can't put on the new nature with the old attitudes. I can't put on the new nature if I'm not letting the Holy Spirit move in my life. Are you seeing this this morning? 
It's repentance. Repentance is deciding to walk away from your sin into freedom. Here we go, number three. You ready? So we're going to name it. We're going to resist it. Number three, we're going to overpower it. Come on, some of you went, we're going to overpower it. I like to overpower. It might not mean what you think it means. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14 and 15. We're gonna overpower it. How do we do that? Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Either way, Christ's love controls us. How do we overpower sin? Do we strain harder? Think harder? Try harder? Or do we learn how to receive the love of God? Remember when I started the message out? And I said that most of us have a hard time relating to God and understanding how much he loves us because we've never experienced that kind of love before. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get you to understand how much he loves you. This is what my life looks like. I sin. I confess. He forgives. He cleanses. I sin. I confess, he forgives, he cleanses. I sin, I confess, he forgives, he cleanses. One day I said, after doing this for too long, I said, God, how long are you gonna forgive me? Like surely we should be at the end by now. Like, like you're gonna give up on me any minute. I'm serious, I asked God that. I said, how long are you gonna keep forgiving me? Because I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> he said, I love you more than your sin. And I said, so you mean to tell me that if I sin again and come back, you're going to forgive me again? Mm-hmm. That's how much I love you. Now, though, that may sound a little awkward, right? Because if I'm not careful, I can abuse that, right? I thought the, thing, the same thing. I thought that I could abuse that. You know what I found out? As I keep confessing and he keeps forgiving and cleansing, his love for me becomes clearer every time. I see it deeper. I see it wider. I see it higher. And I'm starting to get to a place where I'm going, this love thing is really cool. It's a lot more fun than sin. You see, sin promises you one thing and then leaves you hanging. God promises you one thing and never leaves you hanging. He fulfills. How do I overpower sin? By hanging on to the love of God and how much he loves me. How many of you have been watching The Chosen? 
How many of you saw the one this week? When Mary came back to Jesus and she didn't feel like she deserved it. She didn't feel like she could earn it. He made it clear she couldn't. But he received her anyway. It was a beautiful moment. The more I understand his great love for me, the more power I possess to overcome sin. Amen? Let's pray. I want to pray eight specific things over you today. Number one, Lord, I pray that we would get to know you intimately. God, we wouldn't have a church-only life or relationship. And we would see you move in every bit of our lives. Secondly, Lord, I pray that we would live in the fullness of your love. I pray our eyes stay open and our hearts stay open to receive and understand how great your love is for us. Thirdly, Lord, I pray that we would live open and transparent, nothing hidden, no matter how much it costs, nothing hidden, no secrets. Fourth, Lord, I pray that we would get really good at confession. I pray that we get really quick at confession. Hmm. Number five, I pray that we would follow the Holy Spirit's leading and we would let him move in our lives. Six, Lord, I pray that we would hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Seven, I pray that we would keep on asking for help and we would never give up. Knowing that the battle with sin may be here until we go into eternity, but we're not going to give up and we're not going to give in. Number eight, I pray that God, you'd help us to fall in love with living in freedom, living in a free and clear life where we don't carry the stain and the guilt of sin any longer than we need to. God, even in the smallest things, we would keep everything clear, washed, forgiven. So if you're here today and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I am very glad that you're here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, it was a very private decision you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior but you, there's something going on inside of you that's drawing you to him. If that's you today. I want you just to raise your hand real quick. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Let's pray this together, church. Lord Jesus, I come to you today I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I've fallen short. I've tried to be better, but it's not working. Today I confess my sin to you, Jesus. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and you're sitting at his right hand. 
right now. I believe that the price you paid on the cross was more than enough to deal with my sin and bring me into a relationship with God. So Lord, I need to confess something. Jesus, you're my Lord. I receive you. Come into my life. Have your way. Move in me. I want to have intimate experiences with you. I want to know what this new life is all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning, church?